Today is Communion Sunday. You know the question that's asked a lot of ministers, now that I lost my spot, give me a second, is who may sit at the table of the Lord in communion? And there's one response to that that's biblical. Anyone who is born again, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. But there was a warning given in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, that says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. We are the body of Christ as well. So when the body is out of order, maybe there might be a little judgment. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a minute and just name and confess our sins to the Lord privately and ask for His forgiveness. And we know according to 1 John 1 and 9 that if we but confess our sins, He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, we lift all of our sin, all of our iniquity up to you. We ask that you forgive us, both individually and corporately, where we have missed the mark in any way. Bring it to our minds and our remembrance that we may confess it and repent of it. And help us, Holy Spirit, to repent. Help us to walk the straight and the narrow path that you have set before us. And so, Lord, we come to your table. And we try to take it seriously, but help us to take it even more seriously. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in this place. We say, have your way in us. Change us. Because we do not want to leave the same way we came in. We want to be filled with you. With your power and presence. We want our lives to be a testimony to you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. I like these little cups. They got the bread already on them. So when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it and remember it of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm so glad to see you again this morning. Well, as with any message that I start on, we're going to continue our preaching series through the book of 1 John. And here we come to the part where he talks about our response to false teachers and false prophets. Now, these kind of messages, we can sometimes tend to step on toes. And sometimes we need to. And other times, maybe not so. So if there's something I say, and maybe it didn't come out quite right, and I offend you, you need to come see me instead of having roast pasta for lunch, right? So we're back in 1 John. All right, before we start, did you know that there are a lot, speaking of false teachings, did you know there's a lot of sayings that have crept into the church which really aren't in the Bible? I'm going to go through a couple of those. This is, this is one, is the one I hear a lot. God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. This one I like to tell my daughter, but it's not in the Bible. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Yeah, we're not going to talk about her room. Moving on. In the last days, you will not be able to know the seasons except by the changing of the leaves. Hadn't heard that one much, but it's not in the Bible. 
Oh, but you've heard this one, I'm sure. Money is the root of all evil. Actually, that's a misquote from 1 Timothy 6.10. And he writes, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Here's one. This too shall pass. That's not in the Bible. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. Believe it or not, that is not in the Bible. God left us the Bible as a written testimony of His Word. His truth is found in the Bible. Some sayings are simple uh, rewordings of biblical truth, but others are dangerous and they are heresy. Despite how clever or even edifying a quote may be, if it isn't in the Bible, we have no guarantee that it is the Word of God. And the only way we'll know is if we actually read the Bible. Chance, can you turn me down just a little bit? I'm getting some echo. Thank you, brother. So we're back in 1 John. Now, 1 John is one of the five books in the New Testament that was written by the Apostle John, also known as the Apostle that Jesus loved. He was the brother of James. Together they were known as the Sons of Thunder. This book was written between A.D. 85 and A.D. 100. 1 John was written to a church or group of churches that were in crisis. They were being attacked by false teaching. Some individuals who had once been associated with the church had accepted heresy, and they'd left the church. And rather than just leave the church and be on their own, they actually sent itinerant preachers to all the churches around to try to sway them to their way of thinking. And so, of course, the Apostle John had to write. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18-29 through 29. Little children... It is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. And even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And that... No lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming." If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would help us to abide in you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you give us your, your discernment and you raise red flags 
And Lord, we ask that you would help us to know your word inside and out. That when we see the fake and we see the false, we know that it is fake and false. God, we give you all the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Be with me as I speak, I ask. Amen. Abide in Christ. This is our life principle for today. Abide in Christ. Identify and avoid false teachers in the church. We need to abide in Christ, identify and avoid false teachers in the church. And the first point, there are many false teachers in the church. Did you know that? Even at this time, and especially today, there are many false teachers in the church. Let's look at 1 John 2, 18 through 23. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And the truth, no lie, is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You know, John's reminding the church that they were living in the last days. Did you know that we're still living in the last days? You know, someone's going to say, but pastor, how are we living in the last days? It's been 2,000 years. You're right, it has. But remember, 2 Peter 3, 4 says, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with the water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This does not mean a literal thousand years. Did you know that? It's hyperbole. The point is, is that God will do things in His time when He's ready, and not before. And somebody's going to go, well, I don't like that. Well, too bad. Who are we to question God's judgment? Paul said in Romans 9.20, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Paul was being nice. I just said, I don't care. John then tells us that the church has heard of the Antichrist that's coming. Now, we just did a, a series in Sunday school talking about this very thing. Miss Joe did a great job. So I've been told, and I looked at the information, the papers. But he says, many have come. Many antichrists have come. Well, who are these antichrists? These are those that look like they're right. 
They're good men. They're preaching the word. They maybe even have lying signs and wonders. But what they teach about the fundamentals of Christianity is not just wrong, but it's straight up heresy. And as such, we'll send them to hell. When you change the gospel, there's no response to a false gospel. These false teachers went out and changed what the gospel means by their false teaching. They preached a different Christ than the one that is present in the gospel, than the one that is in our scriptures today. They mix works with salvation, some of them. And they want what they can take from gullible, unknowing people. You don't believe me? 1 John 2.19 says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. These teachers aren't true believers in Christ. For they changed the idea of what Jesus is and what His gospel is. So what is the true gospel? Before we go any further, what is the gospel? God... I can't believe I can't say that word right now, I'm sorry. God condescended to become a mortal man. He came from heaven to become like us. He was born of a virgin. He never sinned. He did signs, wonders, and miracles for his three years of ministry. He proclaimed himself the Son of God, the second in the Trinity. He went to death on a Roman cross for sin he didn't commit. Whose sin was it? Well, that was my sin. That was your sin. And that was all of the sin of those who are being saved. Then he rose again on the third day, declaring himself King of kings and Lord of lords. He now has the keys of victory over death, hell, and the grave. He now sits at the right hand of the Father, waiting for the time when He will return to rule and reign over this earth forever. Amen. How do we receive this gift? That's a great story, Pastor, but what has that got to do with me? How do I come to know Jesus? Real simple. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 tells it real easy. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You cannot add works to salvation, folks, for to do so is to deny the efficacy of the gospel. You just can't do it. To do this is to slap God in the face and say, Sorry, God, but you're not powerful enough to save me. You need my help. Um, If he's God, by definition, he don't need you. He wants you, but he don't need you. Oh, how prideful that thinking is. That's some stinking thinking. James 4, 6 says, But he gives more grace, therefore. He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's the unwavering truth of the gospel. If you don't like it, I didn't make it up. Take it up with the writer. Who's the writer? God. It's about surrendering all of you are to all of he is. If the gospel doesn't change you, then you have not met the gospel. 
It's real simple. I gave my life to Christ. The Holy Spirit comes in and regenerates my spirit. And all of a sudden, I don't see things the way I used to. The Word of God becomes alive to me. I hunger for it. I thirst for it. I thirst for His presence. You were one way. You met Jesus, and now you're different. If you've never had an experience like that, see me at the altar. 1 John 2, 20 through 23 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You know the word in the Greek here for anointing, it's only found in the Bible twice. And it's in this book. And this is one of them. The word anointing here refers to not just an inward witness, which can be subjective, but to the Bible as God's infallible holy word. It is the word of God. It does not just contain the word of God. It is the word of God. Is there a doctrine or something in there that you don't like? Too bad. God said it. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the word of God and I start reading something and the Holy Spirit convicts me and I'm like, oh, I don't want to see this. And sometimes I'm stubborn. Now, some of y'all know that. Especially Miss Vivian. Sometimes I'm stubborn. <laughs> and then God's got to slam me down a couple of times before I go, okay, Lord, I, I give up. I see it every time I open the scripture. He'll have me go somewhere, you know. All right, Lord. But the Bible is the word of God. And I've got some news for you. You cannot rightly understand the Scripture without having the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, which all true believers possess. You just can't. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. When it says that the Spirit will give you the ability to know all things here in our, our main text, it does not mean all truth that exists. John's referring to the fundamentals, the essentials of the faith, of the gospel. When there is any teaching, any preacher, or any false disciple who takes away from the true gospel of Christ or adds to the gospel in any way, the Holy Spirit will let you know it. You'll know something ain't right. Even if you can't fully articulate it because you've never heard this before, you know something is not quite right with what they're saying. Those red flags, guess what? They're the Holy Spirit sending you a message. Look out! Run the other way! John writes not because they don't know the truth, he says, but because they do. And he wants no confusion about the truth of God's Word that is in them. And God is confirming it to them through His letter. I'm sure there were some arguments going, that don't sound quite right, but I don't know why. 
Boy, I had some times in my life too when that would happen. Turn on, turn on one of these Christian stations. I ain't going to tell you which one because it's local. And uh, during that time, there was only one, so you'd probably figure it out. But uh, I'm listening to this and I'm going, huh? He's using scripture, but it don't sound right. Well, that ought to cause you to go in the Bible, not just accept what's being said. Let me tell you this right now, church. Don't just accept what I'm saying, especially if I'm not articulating correctly or you're not hearing correctly. Go in the Bible and then come to me and say, Brother Joe, we need to talk. Because if you could show me by, plain, by the truth of God's Word and plain logic and reason, I'll change it. I'll change who I am. I'll change my thoughts on the subject. But it's got to be from the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Whoever denies the essentials of the gospel and salvation, whether it be by subtraction or addition, denies Christ and does not have the Father or the Son abiding in them. They are unsaved and unregenerate and need Jesus. They have a form of godliness, but do not know the power of Jesus Christ. Do not know the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Turn away. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now. Amen. Now. Speaking of. The ends don't justify the means. i got a little story to share with you. An older gentleman in Phoenix calls his son in New York and says, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. Forty-five years of misery is enough. He says, Dad, what are you talking about? We can't stand the sight of each other any longer, the man says. We're sick of each other, and I'm sick of talking about this. So you call your sister in Chicago and tell her, and and he hangs up. Now, frantic, the son calls his sister, who explodes on the phone. They're not getting divorced if I have anything to do about it. I'll take care of this. She calls Phoenix immediately and screams at her father. You are not getting divorced. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't be single. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back, and we'll both be there tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. You hear me? And she hangs up on him. Man hangs up his phone, turns to his wife and says, Okay, they're coming for Thanksgiving. Now, what do we tell them for Christmas? (laughs) Yeah, the way you do things is important, too. (laughs) 
Second point, stay away from false teachers. John said, turn away from such. 1 John 2.24-27 says this, Therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. You know, because it is the last hour, because the Holy Spirit is in you, let the truth of the Word of God abide in you. And you will not fall for the false teachers and their teaching. Matthew 24, 22, Jesus said, And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, therefore if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Now some will say, you know, that this is only talking about that great tribulation period. But that actually doesn't line up for one simple reason. It is talking about the last days in general, including the time before the tribulation, before the great Antichrist arises. Now how do I know? Because it reads, for false Christs, plural. Not just singular. And it says, false prophets will rise. Again, plural, not singular. Now they're going to rise and they're going to show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Have we seen this happening? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm not naming names, but yeah. Yet, give me a minute. It's remarkable to me how many people, you know, they get caught up in helping so-called ministers to deceive their people in their churches. Here's a story for you. There was this gold dust movement around, I want to say, 99 to 2005, where people were saying, gold dust just shows up in our worship service. Some church in California, I can't remember. Come to find out, the deacons were helping the pastor put this glitter in the AC system. And he justified it by saying, we're just helping people's faith. And then he'd sit up there and lie and say it was from God. Yep. How about, how about fake healing ministries? I, had, uh, I went down for, uh, to one of these things when early on in my, my Christian walk and didn't know any better to one of these things. And uh, they prayed for me. Nothing happened. Um. I prayed to God earnestly, and I, 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 tell, I tell you not, it felt like the Holy Spirit said, oh, this is your thorn in the flesh, you're going to carry it. I said, okay. So I told this to the revivalist that was there, and he said, uh, well, you just lost your healing because you didn't have enough faith. You lost your faith when you left the altar. That don't sound right to me. 
If God's going to work a miracle, there ain't nothing you can do about it. How about this in the 60s and 70s? Leg shortening and growth. They found out what would happen is, is they'd sit you in a chair, sit you straight up, and they'd pray over your feet if they were you know, off kilter. And the way you're sitting, by the way, most people's feet are going to be off kilter. Um, so what would happen is, is they'd pray, and they'd put their hands on your feet, and then they'd start to just pull a little bit. And guess what? Them feet started to line up. Some people believe they were doing the work of God. Most people, I don't know what they believed. How about fake prophecy? Personal prophecy. There's a personal prophecy movement. Yea, yea, thus saith the Lord. Hey, I know of a, of a uh, church here in Lake County that does that. They have a, what they call the prophetic team. They take you in the back and you got a whole bunch of people praying. And then they say, the Lord says, and it is so general, the Lord could say that to anybody. How about the prosperity preaching? The only ones becoming prosperous are usually the fake preachers. Now, you, you named a name, but uh, Benny Hinn, for example, has divorced his wife. He started going with a female minister who divorced her husband, and then they eventually broke up. Not only is he a fake, he's an adulterer. So is she. He has disqualified himself from the ministry, and yet he will not let it go. How about this one? The laughing gospel movement. The laughing gospel movement. I'm not going to give you any names, but it started in Lakeland. <laughs> it started in Lakeland. And there's a college down there of the Assemblies of God. And I happened to go to that for my undergraduate, that college. It's a university now. Um, their professors told the students, don't go down there. It's not biblical, and it's not in the Scripture. They were way outspoken on it. But yet, churches still did it. I've never seen anything more ridiculous. And then there's the Toronto blessing. Have you heard about this one? That happened in the early 2000s. Go to Toronto, Canada. Church was founded there where people were rolling on the ground, which happens. We know this. It's not in the Bible, but people have done it. Then they started barking like dogs. Then they started acting like chickens. Then they started squawking like chickens. I'm like, I don't know what spirit that is, but that ain't the Holy Spirit. Squawking like a chicken? Okay. Sounds more like... Uh, like one of them people who gets on stage and hypnotizes people. By the way, that is a real thing, and people don't even realize it's happening in the churches. Hypnotic um, suggestions happen all the time. Did you know that in Benny Hinn's crusades early on, they would sing hallelujah over and over for three hours? That'll put you in a light hypnotic trance. And there's many more false movements out there uh, that I'm not going to go into, but suffice it to say, uh, the one thing that they all have in common is that they preach that they have the answer, that they have special revelation, a special empowerment or an anointing that you can only get from them and their ministry. 
Knowledge that only God has given them. Folks, that's not, that's not new. That's what John was talking about. It's called Gnosticism. It's been around for 2,000 years. People start talking rhetoric about God, restoring something to the church that they've lost, or God giving them a special knowledge. Now, let me tell you something. Look out. Because without a doubt, they're going to, if they aren't already not have started, start to make Jesus look different than what the gospel says he was, than he actually is. And in so doing, they pervert the gospel. A lot of these folks don't even know who they're worshiping. They call him Jesus, but they have no idea who he is. They've never read the New Testament. They've never even read the book of John. You want to find the gospel, that's John. They've never read the smallest book of the gospels. That's Mark. The, the, the Jesus that most of them worship is a Caucasian blonde-haired surfer dude. That seems to be the, the fad right now. And some people are saying, well, pastor, those are hard words. No, they're true words. You'd you rather, rather me lie to you? Part of my job is to let you know you need to watch out for these things. You know, years ago, I was pastoring at another church, and I had a congregate write me a huge letter about the guy who wrote the book, Your Best Life Now. And uh, I used his name, and I said he was a heretic and a hypocrite, which he is. Well, they wrote me a huge letter. They said that I have no business judging these people. They would misquote, take out of context what I had said, and then they would misquote this famous verse, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Well, guess what? It's my job to warn the sheep of the danger near to them, to watch out for their spiritual care, because there are wolves in sheep's clothing, according to the Scriptures. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. That is a massive, and it better be a sobering responsibility put on all pastors. We do so with fear and trepidation before a holy God. If we don't, woe to us. Woe to us as pastors, as ministers. As far as judging people who claim to be in the church, talking about universally speaking, 1 Corinthians 5, 9-13 through 13 says this, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. You know, a lot of churches today would not like Paul in their church. A lot of churches today don't like Jesus in their church. Not the Jesus of the Bible. Because God's word abides in you, he says. By the way, in our 
1 John Scripture. He says that God's Word abides in you because you have fellowship with the triune God and you have this anointing. You do not need anyone to tell you another gospel or to explain a hidden understanding or mysterious knowledge because the Holy Spirit guides you into all truth of the essentials of the gospel of Christ. Let me say it again. Look out for anyone who says they got the market cornered on spiritual gifts, on healing, on prophecy, on prosperity. You do not have those things cornered. Notice that they don't say they have the market cornered on the sovereignty of God. On the fact that Jesus said, you will have trouble. You don't see that on a bumper sticker. You don't see that on a magnet on your refrigerator. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Well, praise the Lord. You're going to go through some things. I've come to know y'all. Guess what? There are certain things you've been through or are going through. I just, I just pray. I go, Jesus, I don't even know how to pray. But I need you to intervene and do what you do. Give them strength to walk through this. And lastly... If we're going to be the church that God calls us to be, universally speaking, all Christians need to abide in Jesus' righteousness. Abide in Jesus. 1 John 2, 28 and 29 says, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. Is born of Him. Our job when it comes to false teachers and prophets is to abide in Christ. To point out wrong teaching and wrong life choices to those who are in the church, but it must be done in love. It must be. Because if there is no love, what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13? I'm just a a clinging bell. Nobody cares. You know those wonderful car alarms? You ever set one off? And people just kind of, oh, it's a car alarm. And they just walk away. Because they're used to it. You're just a clinging bell. What do people need now more than anything in the world? They need the love of Jesus through us. Through us. Why? So that they might repent and be restored to fellowship with God and His church. So that when He comes back, we will have confidence before Him, knowing we have done our due diligence against false teaching, that we may not be ashamed. 2 Timothy 4.1 says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful on all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That goes for everyone in the church, not just Timothy, not just the pastor, not just the deacons, not just the singers. Everyone who is a Christian goes for the church. Folks, when I 
eventually get to heaven, whether that be today, tomorrow, or 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now. I want Jesus to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want him to say, well, you made it. Good to see you. If you're unsure if something is a false teaching, uh, maybe you haven't heard something before, like it before, you know, a surefire way to know is examine the movement's leaders. Does their lives line up with righteousness? Are they showing righteousness? Remember 1 John 2.29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. How do we know what righteousness is today? What does that look like in a Christian? Well, I'm glad you asked. We know this one. We've been through this one many times. This scripture is our standard for living. It is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is grown almost involuntarily. As you get closer and closer to God, the Word of God, you start to make this fruit. Notice it says fruit, not fruits. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. we got to do that every moment of every day. Because we got a war inside. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Some teachers and teaching look good until you examine its fruit. Jesus, he went to a fig tree that looked good. And it examined its fruit. And it wasn't right. Matthew 21, 18 says, Now in the morning as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled. They marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? Examine the fruit. As our minstrel or singers come, what can you take away from this? Well, first of all, are you letting any false teaching in your life as a Christian? Some of us are. You know what happens when you turn on a screen? I was talking to, the, uh, to our school counselor, who also happens to be a Christian. She found a study that when you turn on a screen, whether that's a TV, a phone, a computer, about 90% of your brain turns off. Especially if you're doing it just to veg out. And all that stuff just gets in and in and in. Jesus, remember, said, and I'm not, I'm not going to say any fast rules, whatever the Lord convicts you on. You want to go to a movie? Go to a movie. I don't care. I'm just saying be careful. You ever turn on some of these so-called Christian channels and, and then sometimes you, you don't, you're not even paying attention because you're doing other things? Sometimes what they say can get in you. I've had many people say, did you say this? Nope, don't think I preached that one. Or yeah, I did say it. But not that week. <laughs> That's the first thing. 
Secondly, do you, when you see someone who is a brother or a sister, and they're doing something sinful, something wrong, or they're teaching a sinful or wrong doctrine, but it's not really a doctrine, it's a heresy, do you try to correct in love? There have been more church splits over people who do not know how to correct in love than I can count. If you know that you can't do it, I'll help you out. Let me know. This is not a fun message to preach, obviously, but it's a needful message. And I would be remiss if I didn't say this, and I say it every week. If you're not sure that you're sure that you're sure that you step out this building and you get hit by a car and you wake up in, in eternity, that you'd wake up in heaven, you need to make that known today. You need to take care of that with God. That's utmost importance. And don't tell me it'll never happen. I was in the McDonald's parking lot after the parade out in Deland yesterday. And I'm backing up and I got a backup camera. Uh, because, well, I just figured it was a good thing to have. Um, I'm glad I did. There was a high school student who decided to dart right across my path. Had I not seen in my backup camera, they were literally that close to my bumper. I would have run them over. I thank God that didn't happen. But it can happen. So make sure that you'll wake up in glory. It's not the words of your mouth, but the intent of your heart. Simple as Jesus, help, I need you. I give you my life, all of it. If that's you today, you can make that right in the pew, you can make that right with me. And also, if you need special prayer, healing, whatever, come on up here and we'll pray about it. Jesus said, we're two or more agree touching anything. In his name, he would give it to them. As we stand and sing.